All right. Welcome to another episode of Maritime Health and Performance Chat, where we like to spotlight people involved in sport and health in any sort of discipline, and especially highlighting those in the maritime. So today we have Ryan Cornish, a former athlete, as well as a current coach in the sport of football. So uh, far be it from me to butcher all of Cornish's awesome accomplishments. So Ryan, the floor is yours. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, so like you said, I uh, I was an athlete. I started out at Lockview High, played football there. Then I was fortunate enough to move on, and I had a four-year career at uh, Bishop's University as an offensive lineman. I got a Bachelor of Arts in Sports Studies, focusing in business and society. Kind of a niche market there for um, school. There's not many post-secondary institutions that offer sports studies, but it turned out to be something that I really enjoyed and really helped me as now I'm the program coordinator here at Football Nova Scotia. I've been full-time in this position for three years and I was a intern for three summers while completing my school. I also coach with our U14, U16, and U18 teams. I've coached Regionally, helping out with Lockview High School. I was the co-offensive coordinator at Auburn Drive High School. And most recently, pre-pandemic, I was set to be the assistant offensive line coach at St. FX University. Due to the pandemic, that didn't really work. But hoping once everything clears up, I'll be able to go back down to Antigonish and get started on my U-sport coaching career. Wow, that's a huge jump as far as kind of the regional provincial level going to a youth sport because I know just from my background in the sport of wrestling, there's quite a jump from Nova Scotia kind of provincial level wrestling to the youth sport level as far as level competition goes. You know, you might have people that are former Olympians or national team members you're competing against. And I would figure in the football world, it's quite similar that, you know, you might have former professional players or very high level, high skill players that you have to train as well as compete against yeah it definitely is a jump in skill level but for football it's how it goes it's you start off as a bantam or a minor level coach and you work your way into high school but at football nova scotia we like to run our provincial program especially our u18 program as close to a university level program all of our coaches with our u18 team have or do coach in the u sport level so we like to run that program and get those kids ready for that next level because that's why we do it we go to the canada cup which is our U18 national tournament every year. And we're trying to get these kids on our team, the ones that are preparing to go off to university. We want them to understand that this is what it's going to be like, and this is what you need to be prepared for. So we run that program as close to a university level program as we can. Obviously, there are things that are different. We're not practicing every single day, and we don't see these kids every day. But when we are with them, we are in the classroom, we are on the field twice a day, we're giving them mental performance, we're teaching them about nutrition. It's not just banging heads anymore. We're really trying to get these kids ready so that when they get to the next level, they have that head start against some of the other people in the field. That's awesome. I, uh, I love that you guys have that kind of method to the madness idea that, you know, there is a natural progression as a coach and as the athletes you coach, that there's a natural progression from level to level to level as these athletes get older and as the kind of level of play increases. Um, and I'm certain you can speak to this yourself as a former student athlete, but having that physical foundation and knowing what's going to be expected of you when you get to that university level can definitely make that transition a lot easier 
year, especially because a lot of these athletes are not used to the intensive workloads as far as the schoolwork goes. And I mean, time management and being able to balance that is such an important thing. And the more you can be prepared for what you can control, as in the, the athletic side of things, the easier that transition is when you have to balance the high level athletics as well as perform in the classroom. Yeah, that's exactly right. Without boring everybody with the X's and O's of football, but <laughs> from my experience, when I came out of high school, like coming from Nova Scotia, the best we've finished at Canada Cup is fourth place. And we've had a couple mid-range finishes. But the fact of the matter is we're a small province. We're competing against provinces like Quebec, Saskatchewan, Ontario, where their population is so much bigger. So even though we don't always finish the best, we like to think that our program is one of the better ones in the province because I've, I've seen the shift personally from someone who's born and raised here, grew up in the football system and played for our provincial program to seeing what it is now. It's night and day difference what we can do and what we do with these athletes, just trying to get them prepared because the thing they tell you is when you get to university, like forget everything you learned about football when you get there. And that was definitely the case for me. There is X's and O's wise that I had no idea. I've never done this type of play. I've never done this style of offense, yada, yada, yada. And also I had no idea what I was getting into. I had never had to juggle a full course load plus almost eight hours of football every single day. It was a shock to my system. And in my first year, I definitely wasn't ready for it. And I definitely made some mistakes. But that's what being a collegiate athlete is all about. You learn and you adapt to that. So what, what we're trying to do is when these kids get there, they don't have to deal with that big of a shock. Like, yes, they're going to be coming from Nova Scotia. If you're going to a university program, you were probably the biggest fish in your pond, which is a small pond. But now you get out to university and you're just a little guy in the whole lake. So that's one adjustment, but we don't want them to be overloaded with, oh, I've never had to sit in a film room for two hours and I've never had to go straight from field to class back to the field. We want them to be used to that. So it just makes that transition just a little bit easier. And we start that all the way down in our U14 level, obviously scaled down a little bit, but we have that natural progression of U14. You start out here and you're going to learn a little bit about this is high level football. This isn't just minor where you're going out, going through the motions, practice a couple days a week. And then our U16 program, we ramp it up a little bit more. And then the U18 program is really our flagship. Get ready. Here comes university. We're going to a national tournament to compete nationally, which we ultimately, we do want to win that. And we think that one day we will win that. We have athletes out here that are amazing. Um, we see it in every sport. There's kids in the NBA now from Nova Scotia. Uh, we have more and more kids from Nova Scotia signing with NCAA Division I football schools, as well as basketball, and the list goes on and on. So things are just getting better and better as time goes on in Nova Scotia for sport. And I can definitely attest to that personally because I've lived through it and I've seen it and now being a part of trying to make it as best as we can. That's fantastic to hear. And that's a great point that kind of over the last few years, you've seen sort of a sporting boom, especially from the Maritimes area where, you know, you're seeing more and more athletes move on to very high performance areas in their sport, whether it be professional or uh, collegiate sports. And I think, you know, that probably has a bit to do with 
guys like you who go away, get the experience and then come back. And instead of just having a lot of the people who have been at the top for a long time, when kind of some of the sports science wasn't there and some of the program development wasn't there, especially in the small pond, like you mentioned, people do get complacent. And that's when you get kind of bad habits that get ingrained into the sporting culture because someone coaches a certain way, just because their coach coached them that way, no rhyme or reason. So it's awesome to hear that you're taking everything from your experiences and integrating that into the program. So there isn't, as you said, that shock when they hit university. Yeah. And I think based on one thing for Nova Scotia, like I said before, like our population is smaller, we have less number of players and that also leads to less number of coaches. So in Ontario, you've probably got a plethora of guys that have played at the university level or higher that are now coaching their kids in minor football and this and that. I was very fortunate. I was an offensive lineman to go to Lockview and have Mike Karecki. He was our head coach at Lockview. He's a fantastic offensive line coach. And I attribute a lot of what I did to him. And I'd like to say that, that I, like you said, it comes from guys like me, but it's my career at Bishops was I went there and I played football and I did what I had to do, but I wasn't this all-star superstar like I once envisioned I would be. I got to university, 6'1", 300 pounds, and I was the biggest kid on the field in Nova Scotia. And then when I got up to Quebec for training camp, I was just average size, even undersized. <laughs> um, playing in my first year, starting at Bishops, I was fortunate enough to be named a starter in my first year. And everybody on the line next to me was minimum 6'3" maximum six seven and height's not everything but it it sure does a hell of a lot when you're playing offensive line so it definitely was a huge culture shock and definitely like oh I'm not the best anymore like I'm low on the totem pole and it's going to take a lot of work and and there's definitely things that if I had a chance to go back and redo it over again I would but hindsight is always 2020 and we always learn from our experiences so that's why I'm trying now to like hey I lived it I did some things right and I did some things wrong and here's what I'm going to pass that on to you guys and now that I'm coaching I say to myself I do miss the game I miss playing but I think I like coaching more than I enjoyed playing especially at the provincial level here just helping these kids seeing them go from here in Nova Scotia to anywhere in the country or anywhere in North America to play football. It's a great feeling to know that you help those kids get there and help achieve their goals of moving on to the next level. Yeah, I mean, as a, as a coach as well, it, it really is really rewarding that you can almost get, instead of as an athlete, when it's just yourself, it's just your results, your improvements, your performance that are kind of the motivating factors. Whereas as a coach, you have all these athletes depending on you, but then you can also enjoy in the performance on and off the field of these athletes and not just in the sport, but you get to see these athletes grow as people as well. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. It's, it's very motivating and it's very satisfying to see. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing. Seeing these kids go on to bigger and better things than I ever accomplished, it feels really good personally, but it's good for the province too. It's good for the sport. More and more kids coming out of Nova Scotia, getting there and becoming starters and all-stars and this and that. And for some people, sports are their only way to that because we know like university is expensive. But sport is a way that some people can get that paid for. And for some people, that's their only option. 
not everyone can afford to go to university and pay those fees. But if you're lucky enough to put the hard work in and get an offer from a university, that could be your ticket to getting a university degree. I'm not saying that everyone needs to get a university degree, but if that's the route you want to take, sport is a great way to do it. And biasly, football is a great way to do it because there's no other sport with 90 people on the roster. So there's a position for everybody. And that's one of my favorite things about my sport personally. And sport does so much more than keeping you active and getting you to school. It teaches you something that no other thing can. It teaches you problem solving, teamwork. There's so much that sport can teach people. And I like to iterate that to people that it can do so much more than you can ever imagine for a kid just by getting them in there and playing, even at the young level, even at a minor level. You can meet new friends. You can do so many things through sport. And that's why I chose to work in it and why I still do it and why I'm a huge advocate for sports and youth. That is such a fantastic point, especially in the modern day where you hear about all the kids staying in on their phones and, you know, they're becoming adults and you're seeing things like obesity epidemics and you're seeing things like fully grown adults who can't properly uh, control their body because they never develop those fundamental movement skills. So, I mean, there's benefits from participating in sport from the grassroots level, from the recreational level, anything from rec hockey, rec football, even beer league hockey, all the way up to that high performance, that collegiate and professional level. You mentioned a little earlier about the transition, like the shock of getting to a university. I as well experienced that in wrestling. I was able to compete at several youth sports and nationals, but didn't quite have the success that I kind of always envisioned myself having. And a lot of that putting the onus on myself because like you said, hindsight's 2020, and there's things that could always go back and do differently. But in a lot of sports, in those transition phases, you get into university and you get through three years of the sport. That's not when that drop-off happens. Those drop-off happens at those key transition phases, right? Like coming right out of high school into uh, university. Can you talk a little more about kind of what that shock was like, what the change in expectation was, and what kind of habits or behaviors did you have to change or build in order to mitigate that shock? Yeah, it definitely comes straight from day one. You walk onto campus and you get to training camp your first day. And that's the biggest thing. You get to training camp two weeks before school even starts. So you get there and you have nothing to worry about but football. You got two weeks, you got football, and you're thinking, hey, like this is great. I got football, football, football. And that was all that was on my mind was football. Because as a young 18-year-old kid, Going to university as a, not to toot my own horn, as a highly touted recruit, I was there. And before I even stepped on campus, things were expected because they say sports is inherently a business. So it's not the same as NCAA, where millions of dollars, billions of dollars are being brought in and out of the NCAA. But even in Canada, sport is a business and my school is being paid for in exchange for play on the field. So you get there and as soon as you walk on campus, as soon as you're handed that playbook, things are expected of you. And that was the biggest thing. It's here's your playbook. It's this big. Yeah, we're going to go over it in pieces and we're going to slowly do things, but we expect you to know more. So get in there, learn this. And you don't get as many chances, I'd say, because in high school, you make a mistake, you screw up, whatever. It's not like they're going to replace you because you're the best. You're what we have. You make a mistake at the university level, especially with, you've heard it before, it's a next man up mentality. And I experienced that huge. I was fighting for a starting spot the whole training camp. It was between me and another guy. And I was doing quite well at the beginning. I was 
getting the playbook. I was making the plays. I looked good. I was checking all the boxes. And then as it came down closer to game time, I started messing some things up, messing some plays up, fumbling a snap, doing this, doing that. And the coach says, you're, you're done. You're no longer the starter. And like, that's a huge blow to a lot of kids, to a lot of people. Some people would choose to quit right there. Like, I can't do it. Like, I'm not good enough. But you have to fight through that and know that you're not the best anymore. You have to work to get to a level where you can crack that starting lineup. And then once you're there, it's not yours. You have to pay dues every single day. You have to go in there and you can't take Mondays off and then I'm going to work hard on Tuesdays. It has to be every single day. And then once school starts, it's a whole other ball game because you wake up, you go lift. Uh, if you're on the lifting day that day, so you're waking up early. If you have an 8.30 class, whenever you have classes, you're going to class. And for us, football started at 3 o'clock and ended around eight o'clock every day. So it was two hours of film, two hours of practice. And then if you had an injury or a stinger or something you had to take care of, you had to take care of that. You had to go do your treatment. If you didn't get your lift in the morning, you had to do it after practice. And that was the biggest thing. It was being accountable for that all on your own because a lot of kids, they come from high school where I had lived at home for the first 18 years of my life, like most people. And you come home from school, and if you're not doing your homework, you've got your parents nagging you, like, go do your homework, go do this, go shovel the driveway. But you get to university, you're sitting in your dorm room, you've got nobody telling you what to do. You've got video games sitting right in front of you, you got friends wanting to go out and party, you've got the meal hall right there, why not go eat, why should I study, why should I go lift? And uh, that was the biggest thing for me. I had to be accountable for myself, and it was something that I wasn't used to, and I definitely let some things slip. I didn't study as much as I should have. I didn't take my nutrition as well as I could have, and it got me in trouble uh, as I started falling off in school. And if you're not doing well in school, you can't play sports. Then you have to realize that, and you have to refocus and buckle down and be like, I need to take care of business and focus on everything and manage my time better and be accountable for myself because nobody else is going to do it because your coaches want to see you succeed, but they can't make you so they're going to do what they can if you need a tutor they'll get you a tutor but if you're not going to go to that tutor then they're not going to get it for you so the biggest thing is accountability if you can't be accountable for yourself you can't expect anybody else to be accountable for you and that's one thing that we try to get kids to know and i try to tell kids that when you get there you really have to handle your business and that's the biggest thing that i could pass on along with working out and honing your craft there's another whole accountability side where School is just as important as football or sports. That is so important for so many young athletes to hear, I think. And again, to echo you of what you said earlier, it's not necessarily that everyone has to go to university because it's not for everyone. But unfortunately, in the Canadian sports system, there's a lot more limited funding compared to the Americans or the Russians or in the eastern part of the world. So I know, like you said, and also for several of my teammates, university sport was a means to an end. Like they went to university to perform their sport because there's not exactly professional programs or kind of like you know, major junior or anything like that for a lot of the sports in the country. So opportunities are kind of limited to university sport programs. So I think it's so important for younger athletes to know that once you get to university, the onus is on you. The expectations and all the responsibilities fall on you. And I know you're very familiar with this, but my dad was a strength conditioning coach and had great knowledge in nutrition. 
So not only did I have my parents making sure I did my homework and stuff, but being in a weight class sport, I had my diet all set up for me. I had my lifts all set up for me. So that was a really big shock going to university. And just it's so important that people know that the expectation that you're going to be responsible and mature and take your training and nutrition and school and mental health into your own hands is there. And, and people don't realize how much of a toll that takes on someone if you don't organize that well uh, and try to you know do it all at once. You know, you can cram for a test, but you're probably not going to do as well as if you studied for two, three weeks leading up to it. It's the same way with sports, except you can't really cram for them. You can't cram three months of lifting in two weeks like you can with school. So there's even another regression that can be made if you're not getting to those lifts, if you're not balancing your time properly, getting the class, getting those tutors if you need them and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. When I got there, I'd like to say that like it was a seamless process. Like I got there got the shock, did well, started screwing up and then fixed it right away. But that's not how it went. Um, it took me a year and a half, two years to really realize I need to focus more on school and not just football because I got to school and I was on a full scholarship. My tuition was all paid for. And when I was there, I was taking classes. And for an example, in my first year, I failed a class strictly because I just didn't put the work in. I had three other classes and I was worried about those. And I was like, I need these classes, is this class? And then what popped into my mind was like, I'm not paying for this. And like, it was a very selfish, stupid thing for me to do. But I was like, no one's going to know. My mom can't tell. Like, she's not here. She's not going to yell at me. Little did I know she would find out and she did yell at me. <laughs> but um. And in the back of my mind, I always thought, I was like, why does it matter? I'm going pro. I think that's one thing that like every kid, every kid dreams about it. Every kid that's played sports has dreamt, I'm going to go pro. And that was my, that was my idea. And then when that idea went away and I realized like, this is not what's in the cards for me. I was like, I'm going to have to do something after I leave here. Like I'm going into my third year. I need to buckle down. Like I might need to go to grad school. And that's when school really became more important to me. Like football was still important. I still did what I had to do for football, but I really buckled down on school. I stopped screwing around. And when it came time to do school, it was time to do school. And uh, I think that's a huge thing for kids. You have to realize like, yes, if you do have that chance to move on to the next level, then do so and keep going and push as hard as you can. But never forget that sports don't last forever. The average career in the NFL is four years. Obviously, that's skewed because there's some guys that get in there for a cup of coffee and there's some guys that play for 20. But regardless, it won't last forever and especially in Canadian football, the salaries aren't as high. So when that's done, you're going to need to find a job and you're going to need to find something to support yourself and your family if you have one. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to coach one year with FNS to help out. And I said, hey, do you guys have a summer internship? And they said yes. And I did three summers with them and I just fell in love with the job. And when I graduated, I was offered the full-time position here. And I really haven't looked back since. So that's kind of where I was at. It was the realization that there's something after sports too. We talk about how great sports are and how good this and that is, but they don't last forever. And everyone needs to have uh, a plan and have something that they're going to do after sports are over. That is one other hell of a point that I hate that mentality of don't have a backup plan because then maybe you aren't going to put everything into your plan A. But that's not 
a great mentality to have because especially in the world of sports, injuries happen. Scholarships get taken away, right? Circumstances happen that in the blink of an eye, what you thought was going to be your meal ticket or your future career could be taken from you like that. So if you don't have something like school or a passion or a hobby or something like that outside of sport, you're going to be getting tossed around the winds trying to figure out what's next and not having an outlet because that sport was taken away is going to make that a lot harder on yourself. Yeah. And injuries were a thing that I dealt with some my own fault and some just the nature of the game. It was my second year, first game of the season. And I I tore my MCL on the first play of the game. Super unfortunate, but it happens. That's football. That's any sport. It can happen anywhere. And I was out five weeks and then you come back and that spot isn't yours anymore. You have to work back to that because like they found a guy and he's playing because it's the next man up. So I had to earn that back. And that one wasn't my fault. I had no control over that. But I definitely did not, like you said before, diet and exercise are a huge thing. I didn't control my diet and I got overweight. And people say like, how do you be overweight playing offensive line? Uh, it's, it's very easy. Uh, you're lifting and you're eating. But then there is a point where you can be too heavy. And that's where I got to. I was lucky enough that I had athleticism that I could mask that with. So I was able to push forward and still be able to play. But like I said, if there was things I could do again, I would watch my nutrition a little bit better. Try not to be the weight that I was. I would have liked to have been X amount of pounds lighter. And that's where it came down to. And I had some issues with my back and my knees, but I, I you work through it and you push through it. But Going back, I would have loved to change a few things had I known. So these are all things that we learn as athletes and coming back, giving back to the sport. You can try to tell kids this and teach them like it's great to be strong, the strongest and biggest guy, but you got to do it the right way. Yeah, but I mean, speaking to that uh, from my kind of more physiology, biomechanics background. People don't realize, especially a lot of young athletes, when they start moving on up and, you know, they have their coaches telling them, ah, eat eat everything. Yeah, we need you heavy. We need you heavy. And they keep going ahead with that, with that mentality and the weight comes. But our bodies don't have the same capacity to build muscle than we do to build fat. So we can put on a lot of weight really quick, but it's going to take a little bit longer for our musculature to adapt and be able to bear that weight. So in the meantime, the structures that have to pick up the slack is your bone, your cartilage, your ligaments and tendons, right? And that's where those injuries start to come just from that general wear and tear of sport being such an explosive dynamic movement, especially in football. And you're having to generate those high, high forces. It's a lot of wear and tear on the body. So exactly if you're not taking care of yourself in the kitchen, just as much as you're on the field, then you're going to have a lot of difficulty moving forward. Just so I don't keep it too long, we'll move on to our next little bit. We try to ask everyone about this one, but What do you feel that you are doing right now to stand out and get ahead in your position, in your field as a coach? Um, I think the main thing I'm doing, I don't know if I'm trying to do it to stand out. All I'm really trying to do is just constantly improve myself. I don't need to be the face of coaching. I don't really want to be. I just want to become a better coach. And the things I'm doing with that is just always learning. Some people think that they know everything, but we know whenever it comes to anything, you can always get better. You look at the greatest in the world, whether it's coaching or playing, people ask them like, are you the best? Can it get any better? And they say, I can always get better. So whenever there is a coaching conference or whenever I get a chance to talk to a great coach, I talk to them and we pick brains and you bounce ideas off each other. And I've been fortunate enough to be with Football Nova Scotia and 
have the opportunity to coach with some great coaches. I've coached with Dave Vandenhoevel, who's the offensive coordinator down at St. FX for the past five years now. And me and him have developed a great friendship and a great coaching relationship where that's how I was able to be offered the job at St. FX. And anytime he's talking about something I don't understand, I'm not afraid to be like, hey, like, what, what's this? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never seen this before. Let's, let's go over this. We'll get on the whiteboard in meetings and just start drawing stuff up. And anytime you can talk to a coach and hear what they have to say, whether they're a youth sports coach or whether they're a minor coach, you can bounce ideas off each other. Um, yeah, sometimes if you're a minor or a high school level coach and you go to a coaching conference and they're talking about things that are a little bit more advanced, it might be a little intimidating, but go in there, take in all the information you can um, and bring back what you can. Because if you're a high school level coach and you go to a coaching conference or a virtual coaching conference right now, and they're talking about some stuff that you just know your kids aren't going to get. They're not at that level. There's always something. There's something you can take out of that that you can bring back to your team to make them that much better. And that's what I'm constantly doing. I'm, I'm on coaching conferences with Canadian coaches. I'm talking to coaches that have been in the NFL, trying to get to any coaching symposium, conference, anything I can do to learn more because I know that I don't know it all and I never will. Because something, sports, there's always something new. You look how sports have developed. I keep coming back to football because that's what I know. The game has evolved so much over the years that it's constantly changing. Um, and even the best coaches in the world have to constantly adapt. And you can never be comfortable. You always have to be willing and open to take in new information, learn more, and try to go outside the box or outside your comfort zone and just get that next step up because if you're not going to do it, there's someone out there that will. So that's what I'm always trying to do, just learn and watch film and take in information from people that know more than me, just put my pride aside and open my mind up to learning more. If I can learn more about the game, I can teach better. I've been, as an offensive lineman, I know a lot about offensive line, but I have played football for, I started when I was eight years old. I'm 25 now. I've been in the game for a long time. I still have no idea about some passing concepts on offense. I have zero idea about defense, but these are things that I'm trying to learn and have learned, have asked defensive coaches, how, do, how would you attack this? And if I know how they're going to attack it, I know how I can counter that. So just learning things that you don't know and trying to keep moving forward will always make you a better coach. Never get complacent where you are in coaching. Ego is the death of self-improvement. And I love that sentiment that you are constantly striving to improve your education, improve your understanding of the game, improving either from coaching conferences through other coaching concepts, how to get ideas across to your team, as well as actual technical improvements. You're not the first, and I know you won't be the last, who said that's kind of what they feel they're doing best uh, in their field right now. And I have no problem constantly beating this one to death because it can't be said enough that complacency is going to kill programs. That's in the sport world. That is in the academic world. That is in the professional world. You know, the moment you think you're people, it seems something else comes out that might contradict some method that you think works, or there might be a better, more efficient way to do it. And I think the coaches that get to the the top and stop improving and they get a little too happy. They like the smell of their own shit a little too much. 
that's the death of a program because there's no longer further education. There's no longer learning. And, you know, the, the athletes suffered from it. Yeah. Um, and even on the other side of my profession, coaching is not technically part of my job here. It's something that I do because I enjoy. I would coach for FNS if I had the opportunity, even if I wasn't working for football Nova Scotia, but there are definitely things that we here in FNS have to do to compete with the big provinces like Ontario and Saskatchewan. And there's stuff that we're doing that they're not because we're able to. As a smaller province, we do have less numbers. We have smaller pool to pick from. I know Quebec for their U18 team, they'll get a thousand kids out to try out. They'll dwindle them down. They'll do a one-week training camp, two-week training camp before the Canada Cup, and they'll win most of the times. It's Saskatchewan, Alberta, Quebec and Ontario. Those are the guys to beat. And most of them, because of the size of their province and the size of the population they're picking from, they don't have the opportunity to do the things that we're doing. So we're counteract. We get a hundred and some 120 kids to try out if we're lucky. And we got to make a team to go to Canada Cup with that. So what we do and what we say is we're not going to have the biggest pool, but we're going to do the most with them. So we have programs where we're with these kids from January to July when we travel, where a lot of groups, they'll do three tryouts and then a week practice before. So we're trying to get as much time with these kids. And because we're smaller, the province is smaller, you're never four hours from where we're going to be. So it's a long drive for some, but we want to get these kids in every weekend and we want to get working with them. And we have programs like our elite performance program. We're working with the Canadian Sports Center Atlantic, teaching these kids how to lift. How do you properly lift? This is what you need to do. These are the movements. This is how a workout program goes. These are the mesocycles. These are the things you need to work in. You're not just going to pick up a bar and bench press your max weight every single day. You need to work hypertrophy. You need to work strength. You need to work power. There's different ways to do that and it's not just in the weight room we're teaching them mental performance how they can mentally prepare for the game and how they can visualize things doing that with sports center atlantic as well along with nutrition we teach these kids you need to eat better hey you need to gain weight we need you to put on 10 pounds do that but don't just go eat a bunch of shit food do it the right way gain weight the right way we go grocery shopping with these kids we have a trip to the grocery store and with a nutritionist and they show this is the kind of stuff you need to eat. These supplements are what you can and should be taking. These ones you don't need because we know you walk in any supplement store, there's a thousand bottles in there. And as a younger kid, you can get overwhelmed or think that you need to take this when in reality, you don't need that whatsoever. So it's just teaching these kids things because we have a smaller province, because we're able to do this, we can give these kids so much more knowledge and we can be with them. And I also think that develops a better bond with the players. There's a fine line of coach and friend, but I don't ever want players to not be able to come talk to me about something So we get a lot of returning guys, a lot of guys that go through our program and they come back and say, coach, like, thank you for what you did. Like I'm, I'm back in Nova Scotia. I want to coach. now, And that's the goal because if you don't retain coaches, if you can't keep bringing in new young guys, they're going to be the future of the province and they're going to be the future of coaching. So that's what we're trying to do. Create a culture here where we're going out there. We're going to try to win every single game we play at Canada cup. If it doesn't happen, then we still prepared them the best we possibly could to give them the best chance at success at the next level. 
Uh, that's fantastic. I mean, definitely athletes and coaches alike, and I've been guilty of this myself one time or another, but I think we have the tendency because we're a smaller province to say, oh no, we don't have the resources. We don't have the bodies. We don't have this and that of all the big provinces. But I mean, that's such a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you think like that, you're going to lose. You're not going to perform. You're not going to be able to outperform some of the bigger programs with maybe more funding or more resources. But I mean, I'm so happy to hear that you and your colleagues don't let that change your plans at all. And you guys take the program you have, take the bodies you have, which I'm certain there's no shortage of talent and ability in the province. Just needs to be honed, right? And you guys take that and make do with what you have. And obviously it sounds like it's working quite well and there's performance as a result of it. Yeah, I would take our five to 10 best athletes on the football field and place them against any province. And that's the thing. We go out there. Every time you step on the field, anybody can win. It's not predetermined. It's not saying there's underdogs and there's favorites. Yeah, if I was a gambling man, I'd bet on other people, uh, which I am. Um, But (laughs) I still will never count us out because on any given day, anybody can win the game. And if you're prepared for that, and if you can deal with the adversity and deal with these guys because some of the kids we play against in this tournament, they're university ready. So even if we don't win, those kids know how to go against competition. So that's our biggest thing is like, I want to win a national championship for Nova Scotia. That would be amazing to bring that home. If we don't, I know that we got those kids that year, the ones that are fortunate enough to go on to the next level, we got them ready to go on to U sports and be as prepared as we could get them. Uh, That's fantastic. And I mean, between you and your colleagues, it sounds like football Nova Scotia is in very good hands. Uh, Just as we kind of wrap up here, one of the final questions I'd like to ask you is how has COVID affected you and your work and what considerations and, and modifications have you had to make to continue servicing your athletes? Yeah, it's been a struggle. And like, I know everyone says that like COVID has been tough on everybody across the world. As far as football goes, we're a big team sport. So there's like on a regular, on a university roster, there's 90 guys. We don't deal with that. But regardless, provincial team, we practice with 60 guys on our roster and cut down to 40 for travel team. With all these restrictions, it's been really tough. You can't get that many people together at once to work on stuff. Now, nationals were canceled in July due to the pandemic, obviously, but we started right away. As soon as we knew we were shutting down, we still kept it going. We did what we could and we did coaching from home. We did virtual sessions. We still did the nutrition and mental performance from home. Kids were given programs and asked to check in with us and make sure they're lifting. And we've had to modify a lot of our training. We've split up into positional groups and we'll train the O-line in this corner of the field from this time. Then they'll leave, sanitize any equipment that needed to be sanitized, and then bring in the next group and we'll do receivers and we'll do DBs and we'll do this and that. But it's mainly been the separation. We haven't had to train for competition yet. We're getting into that kind of right now as our provincial tryouts are coming up and getting ready, hopefully, to gear up for the 2021 Canada Cup. Knock on wood that it happens, but things have had to change across all sports. But I think the biggest thing is basketball, soccer, hockey, all of the other team sports, they're a smaller roster. 
Yeah, they've definitely had to make concessions and I take nothing away from those sports, but it's been very, very hard for us. We haven't had a full team practice. We haven't been able to. It's just not something we're allowed to do. We're sticking to the protocols to a T and trying to keep everyone safe because the safety of our players is the most important thing to us. So it's mainly been dividing these people into groups, staggering times and altering some things, whether it be high performance or even at the recreation level. We have recreational flag football, recreational minor football. There was a couple of organizations that worked six-a-side football this year because that's what the restrictions allowed in the fall, Uh, something that some of these kids have never experienced. It's a great game. Um, You can learn a lot from playing a different style of football. And when it came to our flag league, it meant a lot more time put in a lot more time at the field because we can't have eight full teams of 12 on a field. We had six teams of five to six because that's what we were able to do. So we're just adapting and changing with the protocols that we're given. So it changes almost weekly what we're allowed to do. So we're planning for this, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So we're trying to think about ways how we can separate groups, how we can still do our high performance training in the groups that are allowed by the restrictions, as well as get some recreational programs because kids still need to be active. They still need to play sport and uh, we want them out there doing that. But we also have to follow the rules and that's what we're trying to do. It's been a real challenge, but we're getting through it. We're finding ways to get kids in and split these groups up. And um, yeah, pretty much that's basically it. It's definitely been a challenge, uh, but we're working through it. That's definitely a sign of a good coach. And I've said this before, but a good coach needs to be flexible. If they're so rigid in their own program and they can't make uh, accommodations in normal times, just for different personalities, different skill levels and whatnot, then the team's going to suffer. But especially uh, during a global pandemic, being able to be flexible in your programming and planning and being able to make accommodations is so important. It sounds like you and your coaching staff are starting to get that down to a science. Yeah, it's definitely been a lot. Uh, The staff here at FNS, it's three of us. So there's three people that run the provincial sports organization here. That's what it is for a lot of provincial sports organizations across the province. There isn't many staff members. So we're working to try to change and get as many kids in as we can, uh, whether it be high performance or recreational. So that's definitely something we've been working on and we're going to try to keep going and like fingers crossed that things start to slowly get better as the restrictions possibly loosen as we start seeing less cases this that the other thing we're working our best and we're hoping that we can get more and more kids in football as time goes on that's fantastic and I mean I said it earlier it sounds like you guys over at football on us uh the the only kids are lucky to have you they're in good hands yeah thank you (laughs) no worries I mean, uh, just as we wrap up here, is there any uh, projects or programs you want to highlight? Any social media people can go check you out or any uh, football action? Uh, Yeah, if uh, anybody ever has any questions or wants some information about football in the province, check out our website, footballnovascotia.ca, or like us on Facebook at Football Nova Scotia, or send me an email. It's rcornish at sportnovascotia.ca. I'd be more than happy to answer any questions you have about programs, whether it's recreation or high performance. Any questions anybody ever has if they want to know anything about football, don't be afraid to shoot me an email. And I, or if I can't get to the answer, someone here at FNS will be able to get you the answer about football in the province. And we will do what we can. 
Amazing. Well, of course, uh, when this episode rolls out, we'll be putting all of that information down the uh, description. So don't worry if you didn't have your pen and paper out listening to this one. You'll be able to find all that information if you need to contact Cornish. Cornish, I can't thank you enough for volunteering your time today. Uh, and thanks for joining us on the Maritime Health and Performance Chat. No problem, Matt. Thanks for having me.